Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for August 28, 2022. This is the 12th Sunday after Pentecost. And in this podcast, we'll be looking at a brief story from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. This is a story of Jesus visiting the house of Mary and Martha. Now, this is Luke chapter 10. It's kind of midway through that gospel. And to lead into this story, I want to note a couple of other things from the two previous chapters. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus tells the parable of the sower. It's quite brief. I'll I'll read it to you quickly. Um, A great crowd is gathered around him, and he tells this parable in Luke chapter 8, verse 5 and following. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it, and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, this parable is is pretty well known. The disciples ask him what it means, and he explains the parable to him that the seed is the word of God and is planted in all sorts of places, and the Lord brings about the harvest despite the work of the devil and the world and the cares of this life. And as Jesus concludes explaining the parable of the sower, one of the next thing he says, after explaining the importance of the word as the seed in the parable, he says in Luke 8 verse 18, take care then how you hear, for to the one who has more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. So once again, the importance of hearing God's word. All right, fast forward a little bit from there into Luke chapter 9. And we have the transfiguration of our Lord. And that's important one because God declares to uh, Peter, James, and John, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. But it's also a turning point in the gospel of Luke. Up to now in the gospel, Jesus' ministry has been pretty popular and really pretty happy. He's been teaching and working miracles, and various crowds have been flocking to him to listen and to receive his gifts. He's fed the 5,000, all sorts of things. Once he is transfigured, however, the, uh, the mood changes. Jesus starts to tell the disciples that he will be betrayed and rejected and killed and on the third day rise again, and then he sets his face toward Jerusalem. So from then on, the, the, uh, the tone of the Gospel of Luke is a bit more somber. Jesus is making his way to the cross. He's a little bit more of a lone figure. The crowds are not following him quite as much. The disciples don't understand. So as Jesus makes his way towards Calvary, he's he's sort of a, a, a lonely Messiah surrounded by people. 
Then in Luke chapter 10, we arrive at this story, and this is a a short vignette as part of this, this journey to Jerusalem. Now, when Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem, it's not a straight line from point A to point B. It's kind of a kind of a meandering trip. And this story here takes place in the house of Mary and Martha. And we assume this is the Mary and Martha who also live with Lazarus, which means they're in Bethany, very close to Jerusalem. However, although the story takes place, we are almost certain in their household, he doesn't go straight from there to Jerusalem and to his death. There's there's more story to be told. At any rate, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, a rather short reading for this week. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. All right, so again, uh, this is uh, the household of Mary and Martha. Um, and so this is, this is almost certainly the village of Bethany as Jesus slowly makes his way towards Jerusalem and his death for our sins. We don't have any mention of Lazarus here. It is unusual that Martha as a woman would invite Jesus into her home for a meal. And we should also remember that if Martha invites Jesus into the household, she's not just cooking for him. She's almost certainly also cooking for the disciples, and perhaps others who are following Jesus. So this isn't setting one extra plate at the table. This is a bigger deal, a bigger meal. And this is not the first time that Jesus has such a meal. Luke is very big on on the idea of, of table fellowship, that Jesus often eats with sinners. And those meetings, those meals, have a distinct pattern to them, First, Jesus teaches, then they enjoy a meal together, and so you have a time of teaching and a time of eating to compose the event. Same thing here. Before the meal, Jesus takes some time to teach while the meal is being prepared, which means somebody has to prepare the meal. And that's Martha. Martha is going to and fro to get this meal prepared. In fact, when it says Martha was distracted with much serving, the Greek there literally says she's dragged about. She's dragged around. She has all these things that must get done for this meal to take place. And she's not trying to avoid hearing Jesus. Instead, she sees the importance of getting the meal on the table. So what Martha is doing is not a bad thing. What Martha is doing is a good thing. 
She has opened her house to the Messiah and, and probably his disciples. And she wants to prepare a meal for the Lord. This is, in fact, a, a blessed act of love towards God in the flesh. But because it's a big meal, she's distracted. She's dragged around by much serving. In the meantime, as Jesus teaches before the meal, Martha's sister Mary isn't helping at all. In fact, she's sitting at Jesus' feet and she's soaking in what Jesus says. She's listening carefully to all of his teaching. And that also is not a bad thing. She is hearing the word of the Lord. And by that word, Jesus is giving his gifts of forgiveness and life and salvation. But Mary isn't helping get the meal on the table. And that's important too. Martha notices this as she's distracted with many things, that she's getting dragged around by responsibilities and Mary is not. And she chooses to involve Jesus in this family dispute, which is really socially um, unconscionable at the time. You don't drag an outsider into, into such a discussion, but Martha does. And she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. And that seems to me to be a perfectly responsible request. They have a dinner guest, or they'll say have dinner guests. It would seem that both of them could help out preparing the, uh, the meal. And here Mary is doing nothing while Martha is doing all the work. So it seems to me that if Jesus turned to Mary and said, maybe you should help your sister for a while, that would make total sense. But that's not what Jesus says. In verse 41, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So what Martha is doing is good. She is serving the Lord. But Jesus says, Mary is receiving and has the one thing necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, says Jesus, and that's a bit of a play on words there because Martha is hard at work to put portions of food on the table. It's the same word that you'd use for portions of food. And so Martha is trying to get food on the table onto each plate. Mary is receiving a better meal, a better portion from Jesus by listening to her. Now, a key phrase in Jesus' statement is at the very end when he says, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. And remember Luke 8.18, just after the parable of the sower, when Jesus is talking about the importance of hearing the word of God and says, Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Here Jesus says, Mary has the good portion. It will not be taken away from her because what she has is the one thing necessary, which is salvation through the word that Jesus teaches. 
Jesus has come to preach the kingdom of God, he says so explicitly in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, that is why he has come. He doesn't say he's come to be served food by people, but to preach the kingdom of God. So while what Martha does is a good thing, what Mary does is receiving what Jesus has come to give. And that's the better thing. And Jesus will not let that be taken away from her. Now, as I said in a sermon a few weeks ago, this isn't a lifelong arrangement. This is a moment in time that Jesus uses to teach us about law and gospel. Jesus isn't saying to Martha, from now on, you're in charge of the household chores and and Mary gets to sit around and do nothing. Jesus is saying that while it is good to serve others, it is better to receive salvation. So in this short story, Martha is given to represent the law. The law which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. As Martha seeks to put on this meal, she is seeking to love God and her neighbor because God is her neighbor in the flesh. And so Jesus in the flesh gets hungry and needs a meal. So what Martha does is good. She is seeking to fulfill the law of God by loving God and neighbor, by feeding Jesus. But you know from Scripture and from the small catechism that while the law of God is good and holy, we're sinners in a sinful world. As as we try to obey God's law, we will be anxious and troubled about many things and will so often fail. Does that mean we should stop trying to obey God's law? Does it mean that Martha should stop trying to prepare a meal for Jesus? Not at all. We should do our best to keep God's law. Martha should do her best to put on a great meal for Jesus. But trying to keep God's law doesn't save anybody. Jesus saves by delivering to us the forgiveness he's won through his word. And so Mary and her interaction with Jesus in this brief story, is, is given to represent the gospel. Mary does nothing. Jesus does the work. He does the teaching. He does the speaking. He's putting forgiveness into Mary by putting it into her through her ears by his holy word. And as Mary sits and receives that word by hearing... Jesus is giving her forgiveness and life and salvation. Now, this short story is especially helpful for us because it describes to us the pattern of of what is Christian worship. A lot of branches of Christianity believe that um, Christian worship is about gathering together 
and doing the work of offering our praises and prayers and, 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 and thanksgiving to God. The idea being that Jesus has completed his work on earth. He now sits up in heaven waiting to return. And as we wait, we gather together to worship him by our acts of song and prayer and praise. And so if you attend various Protestant worship services, the, the flow of the service is really the people gathered offering their, their work of, of praise, offering their sacrifice of praise to God first and foremost in thanksgiving for what God has done to them. In Roman Catholicism even, during the Mass, the sacrament of the altar, a big part of that is, is um, offering Jesus' body and blood back to God again as part of the sacrament. So there too, the flow of worship is people giving God something. In Lutheran worship, it's the reverse. Yes, we do offer our prayers and praise and thanksgiving to God, but we do that because God is doing the work of the service. Because God is at work through his word and his sacraments, we gather first and foremost to receive from him. In fact, our order of service which is how Christians have worshipped for the past 2,000 years, follows the outline of this story. Remember, throughout the Gospel of Luke, Jesus would teach and then they would eat. In early Christian worship and in Lutheran worship today, first we have the service of the Word, where we hear Jesus teach us His law and His gospel by means of the Scripture readings, the intro that we sing, and by means of the sermon. And that's followed by the service of the sacrament, the Lord's Supper, where we have a meal where Jesus is host, giving us his body and blood. So as we gather together, we are like Mary in this lesson, hearing Jesus speak through his word, and then joining him in a meal where he gives us his own body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Is it wrong to do the work of prayer and praise and thanks to Jesus? Absolutely not. In that respect, we're a bit like Martha in worship, where we, we do things. We, we pray and we praise and we confess the creed and all that, but far more important than what we do is what Jesus does for us. Having died for our sins and risen again with life and salvation to give, Jesus now gives us that life and salvation through his word and his sacraments. This is an important and, 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 and joyous truth and a, a strong part of the theology of our church. A quick quote from the Apology to the Augsburg Confession from the Book of Concord. The first Lutherans said this about worship. Faith is the divine service that receives the benefits offered by God. The righteousness of the law is the divine service that offers to God our merits. 
God wants to be worshipped through faith so that we receive from him those things he promises and offers. That's Article 4 of the Apology, paragraph 49. Elsewhere, the Apology says that the highest worship of God is to receive the forgiveness of sins, which sounds odd to a lot of people when they first hear it, but remember, Jesus declares he came to preach the kingdom of God. In preaching the kingdom of God, he came to bring us into his kingdom by giving us forgiveness by his word. And so the highest worship of Jesus is to receive the gifts that he wants to give. Forgiveness and life and salvation. So is it good to be Martha? Is it good to try to keep God's law? Certainly. Should we daily seek to love God with our whole heart, soul, strength, and mind? Should we seek to love our neighbor as ourselves and do good works towards others? Absolutely, yes. To work at keeping God's law is a very good thing. But why is it better to be merry? Because our works don't save us. So when it comes to worship, the most important thing is not what we do in worship, but what God does for us by giving us forgiveness and life and salvation as he visits us in his word and his sacraments. So by all means, be Martha and rejoice to be Martha, keeping God's word, keeping his law. But even better, rejoice to be merry and receive his forgiveness because that's the one thing necessary for life and salvation. All right, that's a quick look at our text for this week. Short podcast because it's a short reading, but the Lord bless you in your further meditations on this text. And the Lord bless you with every good gift if you're teaching this to others. And until we speak again, the Lord grant you every good gift, all for the sake of Jesus. God's peace, and goodbye till next time.